0: Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Downstream Podcast. My name is John Stinson. In this episode, I continue my discussion into the world of shamanic practitioner Taz Thornton. We look more at Taz's amazing empowerment work such as firewalking and bending steel bars, and how she uses this in a corporate setting, as well as in her shamanic teachings and practices. Here's the interview. Taz, welcome back for, um, for a, an, another session. Uh, thank you very much indeed for, for making the time. In our last session, we spoke uh, a lot more around, um, went, looked a lot more into shamanism uh, and soul retrieval, and all sorts of good stuff uh, along those lines. What I'd like to do on this session is ask you more about the empowerment work that you do.
1: Okay, thank you, John. And there was a giant grin on your face when you said that word, so this is going to be good. Uh, empowerment work, well, it's a big topic, isn't it? A big umbrella topic. Um, when I'm talking about empowerment, a lot of the... Empowerment and inverted commas work I do is is comes under the bracket of extreme empowerment. Okay. So it's really taking people from where they are now, from where they might be a little bit stuck, into um, the next step of their comfort zone and beyond, where I can guide people to be able to experience things that they didn't think they would be able to do. Um. And it can be for people from all walks of life. I mean, I build this into a lot of my spiritual work. My shamanic mm-hmm. work involves levels of extreme empowerment. But I also take it into, into corporate settings as well, which is fascinating in its own right because it gives me a way of kind of bringing in some of the spiritual stuff under the wire, if you like. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so if I'm doing corporate team building, for instance, we use Talking Stick. A lot.
0: Really? What the the actual talking stick, or, it, or is I it? A tune kind in of before a, I go, sometimes a I use sometimes
1: <laughs> I use the actual talking stick. And if anyone listening here has ever has ever seen my actual talking stick, it looks very tribal. Yeah. It's uh, it's a sanded down antler, so it's, it's a beautiful. white antler. Thank you. It has runic symbols uh, burned and varnished into it. It has horse hair on it. It has an obsidian arrowhead on it. it has feathers on it. It just screams tribal. So it depends on the crowd. I'll, I'll I'll frequently again, even if I'm doing corporate work, tune into my guides and say, well, what are we using for a <laughs> talking stick? Sometimes it will be the tribal one, which immediately gets them out of their comfort zone, which is brilliant. Yeah. Sometimes I'll use something like an arrow, and part part of the empowerment work I do is sometimes getting a, an arrow or putting the the pointy bit of the arrow into your throat. So if those listening, if you just feel the base of your neck and you get that little V. And if you push just between the little veins, the softest part of your throat, the part that kind of makes you go, that bit,
0: you put the arrow that's in. That's where the
1: pointy bit of the arrow goes, and then it, you walk against it until it breaks.
0: But that sounds like, well, obviously it isn't because people don't die. But but it sounds as if that would just be suicide.
1: Well, clearly it's not. So did somebody, you get them to
0: sign something beforehand.
1: What I get them, yes, they all have to sign a disclaimer, and yes, it does say you may die. You're not gonna die, but I put that in just to you know bring, we'll bring, just bring the, the energy a little bit. <laughs> for anyone who's ever done a skydive, you have to sign yeah, a disclaimer yeah, yeah. before that and that says you yeah. may die. And the point of a disclaimer for any of this extreme empowerment work is my insurance will cover me. For the seminar, for the talking, up until the point they do something that insurance companies perceive as dangerous.
0: Yeah, and putting then, an arrow against them might yeah, be... Yeah, or, or walking a bit across fire like or
1: broken glass and things like that. And then it covers them for the, for the work afterwards. But for that bit in the middle, where insurance companies go, oh, I'm not insuring someone to willingly walk on <laughs> over 1,200 degrees. Coals, so they're ridiculous. That's okay. why the disclaimers. They're called. on their own at that yeah. point. So the arrow... Um, the other thing they sign is the arrow. If we're doing an arrow break, I will get them to to write on the arrow all the things that they feel are block, blocking them in life. And mm-hmm. even though I'm going into a corporate setting, you'll frequently find things from childhood and things from 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 their general life outside of work, as well as office politics and stuff that gets put onto this arrow. So when we get to the arrow break, then they're breaking through those blocks.
0: Okay. So said, it is a very symbolic thing from that.
1: It point is of all of these tools in what I've coined to be extreme empowerment are metaphors for things in life, mm-hmm. and they work for me. They work beautifully with my spiritual work, but they also give me a very strong footing to 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 bring in some of my old my old life, corporate experience and training, and blend the two seamlessly.
0: Yeah. Was well, the arrow break then?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, is it just uncomfortable?
0: It just yes. sounds like it would be, uh, you know, it would stop, stop your breathing almost, even if um, you know, it's not actually going to kill you.
1: It's less uncomfortable than the the rebar bend when we take reinforced steel bar and put that right. in okay. between the softest part of two people's throats and then we walk to the other until it bends in the middle. Well, that sounds
0: like that's against physics, because it would sound yeah. like the, the steel bar should actually break you before it breaks itself. Precisely. Is, and it, and it is, it's is—it's not a sort of special steel bar. It's—it's it's a No,
1: it's a proper steel bar. Yeah. But I would say to anyone listening, do not try this at home. If you want to do any of these techniques, make sure it's with someone who is properly trained to do so. Mm-hmm. So with the arrow, it is a proper arrow. But, of course, it's an arrow with a wooden shaft, not with a carbon steel shaft, because that <laughs> is just going to turn you into a human kebab. So they're all real pieces. That's a very
0: good point. Yes. But
1: physics do come into it. Yeah. So, for instance, the arrow – I'm giving away some of the trade secrets now. It's going to be like being kicked out of the magic circle. I'm turning, I'm turning into a one woman pen and teller. That's <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should be the mute one for now. Um, so the arrows are um, – they're, they're, they're at, a, at a certain length, right. and they're built to only take a certain poundage. So although it's a real, physical arrow, okay. and I will effect. often stab it through an apple to um, yeah. hand that around, and if you want to have a bite, that's fine. The fact is, physics says that the weight of your body is going to break that arrow before it breaks you. Yeah. But it's still that I can't put an arrow against my throat. Don't be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I mean, that's exactly how it sounds. Mm. And I've seen the arrow, and it's not something I'd want to lean against.
1: Oh, maybe we'll do it later, John. <laughs> I've got some extra ones in the car. But that's the point that those metaphors I was talking about. It does feel uncomfortable yeah. when you when you're trying to break through that break the arrow. But the the, the trouble is, the more you hesitate and the more you just let it keep pressing into your throat, the more uncomfortable it becomes. So it's a wonderful metaphor for those times in life where we know we want to do something, or we're supposed to do something, or maybe you've got to do something for work, and you don't really want to do it. It starts to feel a bit uncomfortable. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's a family issue. And frequently, when we get to the point where we start, we decide we're going to do this, and then it starts to feel uncomfortable, we back off and we leave it. Whereas if we just pushed through, we'd break through it, we'd achieve whatever it was we wanted for a couple of minutes, seconds even, of discomfort, and you've done it. Yeah. But there's that metaphor again with the more you lean against the arrow but don't actually break through it, the more uncomfortable it gets. So the more you skirt around the edges of these things you know you've got to do but you don't really want to do, the more uncomfortable it becomes. But it's another one of those things, isn't it, with, with you know, we so often build things into much bigger things than they actually are in our heads.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very good at doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, ma- speciality. Precisely, me too. I think we all do. I think if if I think back, the majority of things I've been terrified of in my life didn't actually exist.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm very good at making all that sort of stuff catastrophizing. I'm Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You mm. make a whole career out of it. <laughs> so, so it it is about comfort zones. It is about encouraging people to step beyond a comfort zone but it's never for the sake of it it's not just about getting a cheap thrill it's Mm. it's about being able to believe you can achieve something
0: and and i think that's a good point because it could seem a gimmicky type type yeah uh but there is obviously um as you say there is it's not just symbolic there is actually something that Mm. people get get out of it yeah in terms of christ well if i can you know break through that and and I'm guessing there is a, a bit, it sounds like you do a bit of a build-up towards Oh, that.
1: absolutely, absolutely. It's never just about giving somebody an arrow cold and say, go and break that. Mm. Um, these are, they, sometimes I do them in one-to-one work. Very often they're in a group setting, again, whether that's corporate, whether it's shamanic circle, whether it's spiritual. But for me, one of my roles is to be able to control and handle the energy in the room.
0: Yeah.
1: So that I'm building the energy to such an extent that people feel so empowered that it's a logical next step to do something that at the beginning of the day would have seemed crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: And another thing with empowerment work is, of course, I can't teach empowerment. I can help somebody to feel empowered, but I mm-hmm. can't teach somebody to be empowered. All I can do is is help them come to an understanding about their blocks and help them believe that they can do something that previously they felt was impossible. And with that wonderful caveat that we see so many times the word impossible itself stick an apostrophe and a space in there, and it becomes impossible
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's it's about getting the energy generating enough energy and a amount of positive belief in that person or in that group that yeah there's still a challenge there, but they're brave enough to get up and have a go so
0: how do you, how do you i mean if you don't mind uh talking more about how do you go about that and and what and how do you assess the energy in the first place? So, I mean, because I can imagine, if you uh, are in a shamanic circle, there is perhaps a lot more willingness to be uh, to be to begin with.
1: You'd be surprised, John. You would be surprised. Oh,
0: okay. Well, um, but but in a cor- what I was going on to say was that in a corporate setting, they'd all be a bit arms folded, and um, uh, what, what's you know what's what's going on here. Uh, so, how do you you know sense that? Or, you know, as you were saying, you check in with your guys and so on, but about whether to, what. What, whether to use a marker pen or, or a – well, you didn't say that. I put that in your, in your, in your, in your mouth. <laughs> but whether to use the um, a talking stick or, or something different. So uh, what do you do to sort of set that up and then think, okay, well, where do I go from uh, from here to get it to the point I need to?
1: Okay. Well, when I, when I trained in all these mad empowerment things, it was on the back of, of all the training I'd already had. So we need to, to to put it in context. It's 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 on the back of, of decades of, of high level corporate management and all the the training that goes around that. Everything from people management, to conflict management, yeah, to, NLP to, to NLP, yeah, NLP, all of that on the back of them. Raking and my, my my psychic abilities and the the shamanic work. And when I trained in all this extreme empowerment stuff, I trained with 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 the same team who trained Tony Robbins. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, lots of them. Um, some of the some of the the, the bit Vekka, some of the real big names, particularly in the states. The same guy. It comes back to a guy called Tolly Burkan. Uh, if anyone listening to this hasn't heard of Tolly Burkan, do look him up. The guy is amazing. He's one of the best kept secrets, really, in empowerment work. He turned down an appearance on Oprah. Uh, <laughs> he said, "Thanks so much for your invite, but I don't travel very well, so no thanks." So he's that kind of level. Yeah. Um, And I trained with with his team over here in the UK. And when that opportunity presented, I thought I was just going to train as a firewalking instructor, which was just (laughs) awesome in its own right. And the fascination for that with me came from the spiritual side, where my element is fire. I've always loved fire. And a few years back, a firewalk had been on my bucket list. And I did one for charity when I was still in my corporate days. And, and without naming names, let's just say it wasn't particularly well organized. Um, I walked once, got a little fire kiss, or in, in human terms, a blister, um, thought I'd better not do it again. And then the people running the fire essentially said anyone who didn't walk more than once was a pussy, which is <laughs> entirely the wrong energy to bring. So I walked again and then got a piece of coal stuck between two of my toes. Ah. I take full responsibility, but it wasn't the pleasant experience I thought it was going to be. The next time I firewalked after that was when I was given the opportunity to train as an instructor. So off I went, yeah, I can do that because I like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. I haven't always been that way. Um, now I love roller coasters, absolutely love them. I, I would travel the world going on the biggest and fastest roller coasters.
0: Right, but, but, the but first, there's obviously a time that you didn't.
1: But, yeah, I used to be terrified of them. Utterly terrified. I used to be scared on the waltzers. And then when I was about 14, I think, um, I went to uh, Disney World with my parents. And what I hadn't realised at the time was that my mother loved roller coasters. So the first proper coaster I went on was Space Mountain, right. which at the time was the highest and fastest in existence. Yes.
0: Yeah, no, I, I know it well. It's good. Yeah, great.
1: absolutely. So I was queuing up to that. I don't want to do this. <laughs> And my mum said, you'll love it, you'll love it. And, you know, the thing my so mum how said. how old were you then? About 14. About 14. The thing my mum said then, and it stuck with me, and it's so true, is, look, it's only going to last for a couple of minutes. If you hate it, you can get off it. And so it only lasted for a couple of minutes. And that's better than saying I didn't dare try. You'll mm-hmm. never know until you try. So I did that, and I was a convert. well, right, Wow! Okay. If I can do that... And it wasn't because I particularly loved the experience, because let's face it, if it's the first one you've done, it's over too quickly to really mm. understand what's going on, other than, whoa, G-Force. But my attitude after that was, well, what else could I try? What else do I think that I don't like? What else do I think I'm afraid of? So it grew from there. So, so, you, went,
0: so you went on Thunder Mountain after that? Yeah. <laughs> <And I> was, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not as
1: good Not good. really, not really. Um. So the point with that is, I'd been on this this charity firewalk, not had a pleasant experience, and then when this opportunity came up to go and train to be an instructor, yeah, well, why not? I bet I can do that. Okay. Can I do that? Could I? And as part of that course, we learned we we learned how to facilitate not only the firewalk, glass walking, arrow breaking, rebar bend, bending, the bliss pierce, which is where you pierce your own hand with a six-inch long, long dull needle without really, yeah. And it's about being being able to put yourself into such a meditative state that the theory is that you're moving the needle between the energy particles. You should be able to do it pain-free and without bleeding. Right. So all of these mad things, as well as kind of low ropes team-building activities. Sorry, low? Low ropes team-building activities. Things like islands. How do you get this group of people without oh, right, okay, to yeah, yeah, yeah. touching the yeah, floor? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, okay. I, sorry. No, right. I was just going to say, the point, the point of that was... I was pus- pushing myself, and what I didn't understand is that in order to qualify, bearing in mind I'd only ever done these two firewalks and got burnt—well, mm. one, one, two, two walks on one firewalk experience. On the last night, what I didn't know at the time is we had to walk 108 times in order to qualify. Oh, 108 firewalks, one after the other, and on the last walk, firewalks normally six to eight feet—you're going to get over it in four or five steps. Yeah. On the 108th walk, they they rake out a brand new, straight from the fire, 20 foot bed. There's no way you're gonna get through that if people talk about. Um, that there's so many theories out there about how we're able to do it. Some people say that um, it's because you've got a fine sheen of sweat on your feet and that burns off first, mm-hmm. or you're not on the coals for long enough. Well, because you're so worried yeah.
0: you might get yeah, bad yeah. Feet.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> but you walk over a 20 foot bed. And after that, it transformed. And I think the point I was going to make is that I learned in that rah, 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 level 10 state, very American. Yeah. You know, you can't leave the room without 10 seconds of belly laughs every time. Tony Robbins-esque, NLP, hypnosis, level 10 state, get yourself up there. But then I stepped away from that. But okay, I can blend this with, with my spiritual work. So in terms of how I re- read energy, I've got the instinctive ability to read energy, from the psychic ability mm-hmm. from the from the spiritual work i did uh i do built alongside all the training i've had from nlp and the kind of being able to read the the, the physical signs in the room so I've, I've got both sides which is how i'm able to judge and work with the room to make sure the energy is in the place it needs to be
0: right okay and and what when we say energy and raising it to where it needs yeah. to be what exactly do we mean what would what you mean by that
1: Uh, uh, how do I sum up energy well I've been having a few discussions lately about the difference between vibration and energy Um, so from doing sound healing work like some of the vibrations of the soul events I run with Lindsay Barn that's all about the vibrational frequency of of the music we use but that for me is quite different to energy Um, whereas vibration is very specific and for me often sits within Um, the energy is the overall vibe to use use the short form (laughs) of vibration of the room, the overall feel of the room, it's, um, that sense we all have, you know, we, we all have the, these auras around us, or a science, a science has discovered this magnetic field. It's The same, the same thing where, where we can be standing in a room and we can be looking at a computer screen in front of us, but we'll know if someone has walked in.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. That, that feel, it's, it's a sense of what else is going on in the room. It's a sense of what everybody else is feeling. It's that sense of, eagerness of ante- anticipation from people and it's being able to i find it quite difficult to put into words being able to raise the level of, of anticipation of excitement be able to to get people to a point where they're willing to give it a go
0: right okay because because i mean because i thought you know having done sort of uh run training sessions and yeah. so on I, I know that um for it, I have to give out a certain amount of energy. Oh yeah, and then hopefully, that that'll kind of build up. Yes, and the people, you know, you can of course get the opposite where they're just stone walls, yeah, and can. and you can feel like you feel like you're giving more and more and more, and you end up exhausted at the end of the day, as opposed to being feeling fantastic when you skip out of the room. You uh, can, but but is so. Um, so I guess, you'll get is, is that what you mean by in terms of getting people to a point where they're all wanting to give it a go yeah. uh, rather than that yeah. sort of...
1: Because of the kind of work I do, whether it's in a spiritual setting or whether it's in a corporate setting, because it's about getting people to be more in line with their authentic selves, because it's about getting people to be more open and honest, because it's about getting people to step out of their comfort zones, I've kind of almost got permission from whoever I'm working with or whoever I have whoever's employed me to be able to just start pushing buttons if I need to. So if I've got that brick wall you're talking about, part mm-hmm. of my work is going to be to focus on them and to push those buttons until they break through that. Yeah. And if I'm doing the kind of extreme empowerment work I'm talking about now, um, I wouldn't be doing that unless the setting allows me enough time to go deep enough with people Break through any walls that I come up against.
0: Right. So, so for example, it has to be a four-hour workshop rather than a one oh, and a half hour or
1: something. Like yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't go in and do a one and a half hour extreme empowerment Yeah. It's it's a full day.
0: Okay. Okay. Full day. So, what was it then? Um, that that said, because I uh, one of the things I picked up from what you were just saying is that uh, uh, you actually went outside your own comfort zone to do this training in the first place. Yes. Uh, so it wasn't something necessarily you had planned. No. Um which uh so so once you'd done that training then you suddenly thought, actually now now I'm trained, I might as well use
1: this. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And 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 so that just sort of evolved.
1: It did it did evolve. Um I mean one of the first ways I used it was the one year shamanic circle I run. Um that works over five long weekends. The first weekend is kind of cementing the tribe, if you like, building the family, getting that closeness for the year, and each of the other weekends works with one of the particular elements. Right. Yes. So straight away, I got because of some of the extreme empowerment techniques I used, I now had a way of getting people really up close uh, and personal with with some of the elemental work we were doing. So when As we had in fire, yeah, yeah. So when we had the fire weekend. For instance, um, before we'd built a fire and we'd written things we wanted to give away onto little bits of paper and we'd put them into the fire. Now I could do that as well as giving the people the opportunity to actually walk on the fire mm-hmm. and really meet the fire. And really. Um, well, so that's I'm, quite unique to you then? Uh, well, there there are other people who will run spiritual fireworks. Mm. Uh, Peggy Dillon over at Fire FireDog does, does a lot of spiritual fireworks, but I think. I think, and this only occurred to me a few days back when I was I was I was writing a biog for for a for a kind of corporate setting workshop I was running, and it, it did it did occur to me that I'm the only person I know who is able to bring into that corporate setting, the kind of ancient tribal techniques for cementing and building the tribe, things like the talking stick, alongside some of the out, left brain NLP techniques and the extreme empowerment. I don't know anyone else with that same mix. So yeah, that does put me in a in, in a unique setting. Yeah. I guess that's a USP for you. Bit of a difficult (laughs) one to explain, though. Roll off your tongue in an elevator pitch. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we went. I went from being able to just let people stand close to a fire and feel its warmth. Yeah. So getting into the fire.
0: Quite literally, yes.
1: And then with it worked with the other elements as well. So if I'm talking about um, north air, is is all about um, clarity. I'm giving absolutely 100% of your attention to the task at hand. So the glass walk works perfectly for that, and that's exactly as it sounds. It's about 200 smashed glass bottles right? turned into into a walk, and it is real glass. I made the glass walk. Trust me, it's hard work. Um,
0: what, smashing the bottles?
1: Smashing the bottles, and it's, okay. yes, it's hard work making a glass walk um, and then taking out all the caps and taking out the necks that you just roll on. That would, you know, stop it from being safe. Again, in inverted commas. You're walking over broken glass—it's
0: safe. <laughs> right. Okay. And, so, and and that's about clarity of focus. Actually. Glass well, walking, you to...
1: Yeah. So whereas the firewalking, firewalk is believing that you can do it and just walking across. You don't want to stop in the middle of twelve hundred degrees and go, "Wow, look at me walking on fire." <laughs> Unless you're me. I sometimes do fire stands, which again debunks all the all the theories about why you don't right. burn. So. Uh, yeah, you can do that, but I, I never advise it to people shining for the first time. Glass walking is kind of the opposite. Glass walking is being absolutely in your body, having a focus entirely in your feet. And it's about holding a balance, lifting your foot, putting your foot down in front of you, and feeling, is this a good place to put my foot? And it's feeling first, before you decide that's a good place and put my weight onto it. Right. So it's about absolutely... Not having your attention elsewhere, being just on that task, and absolutely focused on where is the right move to make. So again, whereas firewalking is I can do it, get through it. Glass walking is I can do this, but I need to do it. Need to walk absolutely carefully, and I need to be absolutely sure of my steps yeah. and not allow any other thoughts or people in the room to distract me.
0: Okay, and does that align with? With air itself. Yeah. Like the, okay.
1: Clarity. One of the, um, there are various precepts in, in shamanism, although I talk about it being rule free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no rule book as such, but there are guidelines. The first one of those, the first precept in shamanism is, is is first attention, which means pay attention. Whatever it is you're doing, give it 100% of your attention. Yeah. Which, of course, is the enemy to everyday multitasking. Again, another way the, the West has, has fucked us up a bit. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm going to have to
0: put rude language on, on my. Uh, I know, my mum's going to tell now. me off for swearing again now.
1: <laughs> Sorry, mum. <laughs> but we, we're taught to, to multitask and then we're never giving full attention to anything that we're doing, are we? We, no. we can't. We can do lots of things kind of okay. Yeah, but that, if we're...
0: A, yeah. I mean, that's quite a wide spiritual yeah. um, concept, is you know. Yeah. Uh, Giving your attention uh, to the and the focus yeah, to the but, to the but here and now.
1: Bring that into an office environment or home working or anything else we're doing. Yeah, and um, we shouldn't really be writing an email and answering the phone and doing our accounts at the same time. <laughs> no,
0: no, uh, mistakes will, will come. Yeah. Okay, uh, so you've got so uh, yeah so, that, so we've got had fire for fire and obviously and the glass board for um uh, for, for air. Is has an
1: as North. Yeah.
0: All right. So, do, do any uh, others lend themselves to? Um,
1: yeah, arrow? yeah. I use the arrow for a lot of the time. I we'll use the arrow break for the South. Now, the element of the South is 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 water, mm-hmm. but it's all to do with emotions and emotional blocks and those teachings about okay. victim versus warrior, hunter versus hunted. Hence, writing just, on and breaking through. Yeah. So the arrow represents that hunter hunted beautifully. Right, yeah and speaking your truth, being able to get rid of those those blocks that so many people hold blocks in their communicator. The most common place I find that people are holding energy or emotional blocks are throat, communicator, heart, and power center,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: where people have told them they're not good enough, they can't do something, they're not allowed to say that, they don't feel loved enough, all these wounds and scars we hold on to. So the arrow allows us to, A, challenge that communicator and show that we are strong enough to break through th- things from, from speaking our truth. And they allow us to, to the, we, we write all those other blocks that we feel in other parts of our body um, along the shaft of the arrow. So when we're breaking that, then we're, we're breaking through a lot of that those blocks through one of our most vulnerable areas in our entire body. So yeah. there's, the, there's the victim warrior straight away. Yeah. And sometimes when we're doing north, I also use um, rebar. Okay. So rebar is you know the, the length the, the, of reinforced this. steel bar that you have in concrete.
0: Right. <laughs> it just sounds completely mad.
1: Yeah. And um, we have a length of rebar. And this is about the set that same level of clarity, mm-hmm. but with teamwork. Okay, because so there's two of you. There's two of you, two of you mm-hmm. and the uh, the length of rebar again goes into that softest part of your throat. We put a bit of. Uh, we tend to put some. Um, uh, napkins or something behind it because otherwise it would just skewer and go straight through it's but napkins stop it yeah napkins stop it <laughs> <laughs> for steel napkins will do anything <laughs> amazing yeah I you don't need, a tefl- don't need a teflon vest just cover yourself in, in <laughs> napkins <laughs> they just stop the edges of the steel from 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 nicking your skin really okay And and that's about two people knowing and absolutely believing that they can and they're just eye to eye, and then they both push and walk towards at the same time, and the bar bends in the middle till they can meet in a hug. Okay. And absolute teamwork, but absolute focus and clarity. Right.
0: And and either one doesn't, it won't
1: happen. No. Yeah. And West Earth, um, I use I often use a technique that that isn't part of extreme empowerment. We sometimes do burials. Yeah, I guess weekend. that's
0: that's probably one you wouldn't put into the corporate
1: environment. Well, I could. I've been tempted a few times. <laughs>
0: So, so burials. I'm guessing. I mean, it's as it sounds, you you are what up to up to your waist or something?
1: Or? No, we actually like dig a grave-shaped hole and lie in it.
0: Oh, okay, but you're not actually then like putting the, the the earth on top.
1: We we use a we cover the top of the hole and put a sprinkling of earth over it. But oh. that's the point where you can't breathe.
0: Oh gosh, okay. and it's
1: not really hardcore. We we tend to do it in about twenty minute bursts, with the rest of your your tribe sitting around and supporting and holding right, the space. Okay. And it's not about no, Death. So. it's about being in the earth and feeling the earth and getting the teachings from Mother Earth.
0: Okay, now that makes more sense because otherwise that could sound quite macabre.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's not about that. Remember the first time I heard heard about you know burials? What? What? Do I have a coffin? <laughs> no, and it's not about that. It's just about. It's about the submersion would be a better word. Yeah, it's about being part of the earth. Yeah, it's just about being in and of the earth. Yeah, but
0: there's still there's still a um, because of our Western sort of um, theories and, the- and theology and way we're brought up, there's still actually something to get over to get into that um, space in the first place. I
1: guess. Absolutely, and right. this is the thing you know, with because the
0: it's not, because in my view, it was dirty, it was wet, it's cold, it was, you know, uh, as well as the the warmer. It's
1: all of times, It's all sort of those. Why make you eat some of the earth? That's in my- <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it happens. Um, <laughs> this is the thing about comfort zones. So for some people, walking over fire is going to be terrifying, yeah. as is the, the arrow break, as is the... We do board breaks as well, where we, we smash through pieces of, of wood with our, with our, with our hands. Uh, and the, the, the earth, but things like trust falls we do as well, well which is to build yeah. trust with the tribe and belief. Some people find that more difficult than fire. Some yeah, people would be yeah. like, Yeah, let, let me go and walk over 1200 degree co- coals. Let me go and walk over those coals that because are hot enough, that. hot enough to melt steel, but I can't stand on a platform and fall backwards and trust that my tribe will catch me. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Yes, yes I can understand because one is about their own self, that they're in control. Absolutely. The other one, they have no control.
1: Yeah. Singing, in the comfort zone for people. Sometimes yeah. if I'm, I'm working, and I haven't done this in, in corporate yet. I- <laughs> But certainly in um, in in a shamanic circle environment, getting people out of their comfort zones, one of the things I've been known to do is wait until everybody's sitting down in circle. Is everyone everyone comfortable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone feeling that they're where they want to be sitting for, for the evening or for the weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, everybody move. And mm-hmm. make the move. And then everyone is used to the talking stick going around in a clockwise direction. The energy spins clockwise. So... Um, Talking stick, for those who haven't heard before, it's a very, very simple concept. And as John's pointed out, it could well, could just as well be a marker. It's merely a concept that you have an object that is passed around the group and whoever is holding it is, is empowered to speak the truth and speak from the heart. And nobody is allowed to interrupt or say anything until the talking yeah. stick gets to them.
0: Well, their job is to listen.
1: Their job is just to listen. And again, listening, one of those things we all think we can do because we have ears. Mm-hmm. But what what having ears usually means to us in the Western world is is we're thinking, yeah, oh, how can I compete with what they've just said, or how can I make it look as though I'm paying attention where I'm actually thinking about whether I'm going to be back in time to to do the dinner and things like that. Um. So it's it's a very simple thing, but just the talking stick can be massive comfort zone issues for people, people yes. who aren't used to speaking well, out. I, I, well, I
0: I I can totally because I get I get nervous when the talk, talking sticks coming towards me. Yeah. Uh, and when I hold it, because I think, well, I'm just going to torch it, what am I going to say?
1: Yeah, which is an absolute clue. This I talk about head, heart, mind mm-hmm. disconnect a lot. And that's an absolute clue. with talking sticks so coming around to you and you're thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to compete with that? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What you're not listening. Mm-hmm. So that's first attention out of it. So where the first precept is first attention, second precept is guards out, which means guards guard against all those stray thoughts. Learn to control your thoughts. Anyway, where was I going? So, yeah, talking stick can be a massive uh, com- comfort zone issue for people. So I've made people move out of their yeah. comfort zone sitting in the circle and then they'll be expecting me to pass the talking stick that way. And sometimes I'll say, right, we'll pass the talking stick anti anticlockwise.
0: <laughs> is there a sort of gasps of shock?
1: Yes. And then,
0: anticlockwise, but that's against it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yes. And then the gasps come further. And when the first person is just about to speak, I say, like, and we're doing it in song. <laughs> and honestly <gasps> no give me the fire give me the bliss piss, give me the glass
0: oh fabulous
1: but yeah and all this stuff um, it works so beautifully in spiritual work because it does start to teach people that those those head based yeah. fears are just that it's just ego stuff we can yeah. get out of it but in corporate work when I go into businesses the talking stick is so powerful John it mm-hmm. really is Particularly,
0: Do you do the song bit there?
1: As well? No, don't do the song <laughs> bit. I haven't done yet, but I might. Talking stick is a big part of corporate work because particularly if you've got peoples of all levels, if you've got the managers and the staff in the room, mm-hmm. straight away the first thing is making everyone sit in a circle
0: oh, because yeah, that levels yeah. the
1: playing field and the hierarchy disappears. Mm-hmm. And then it's getting a public agreement from everyone that everyone is empowered and enabled to speak their truth without any repercussions.
0: Do you actually say that then, in yeah. that to speak your truth?
1: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, in that way, though people yeah. need to feel empowered to speak about whatever it is that's bothering them, without fear of any repercussions or reprisals afterwards. Mm. So you know, I can so so I can say I think my manager's really unfair without worrying about losing my job.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly that immediately balances it, and you generally find on the first couple of rounds with talking stick, oh, yeah, I love my job, everything's fine, <laughs> keep paying me, I don't want to lose, my I'm so happy. And then because I can tune in yeah. from both the executive background and the NLP and the energy work, I can fairly accurately um, spot when there are um, not necessarily mistruths, but things being covered up. Mm-hmm. I've got quite swear word coming up. Sorry. I've got quite a I've got an excellent bullshit detector. <laughs> right. And so that talking stick will keep going round, and I will ask whichever questions are pertinent in order to draw the the information from people. Mm-hmm. So there's that energy control again because it's being able to take people from a place where everyone's pretending to be happy, which is just surface rubbish, through to a place where people are spilling their guts and sometimes getting quite emotional and really talking about some of their issues at work mm-hmm. and having the managers listen and take it all on board to a point where at the end I've built them up to feeling empowered again so we can take those blocks that have come out during the session and then get them smashed through with an arrow break or a board break.
0: Okay, I see how the whole thing works now. Mm. Excellent. And one, of th- one of the things that we've mentioned several times is that this concept of a comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, and I'd, so I'd like to explore that a bit more in terms of what, what, well, you know, what, what is a comfort zone? What, why, why do you need to move past it? Mm. What, what is the, uh, you know? And I think coupled with that is why do we need to feel that we have to grow? What, what's wrong with being where we are?
1: Well, if inertia turns you on, fine, go for it. I'm not here to tell anybody that they've got to, but I do have a belief that the second someone is calling me in to do some work with their business, or the second someone is working coming onto one of my workshops, I believe they've been they've been called to do that for a reason. So that for me is a major clue. Um, I believe that we come here as spirits in a body to learn and to grow and to progress. Um and for me, and this doesn't mean it has to apply to everyone, I don't tend to want to step into things and do new things unless they're pushing me. Okay. I don't for me, if I'm I'm sitting here a few months back I would have been out of my comfort zone turning up to your to, to your wonderful studio and sitting in this chair being interviewed.
0: Well and me too, um, you know, doing this doing these. So podcast. why
1: are you doing it?
0: Um, don't that,
1: say because your wife told you to. No, we're not <laughs> I'm here because my wife told me to. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I don't know is the answer. It's just found myself doing it, and and it's happening, and it's great.
1: There you are. You see, comfort zone. So comfort zones don't need to be huge, but this is a step on for you. And since you've started doing this work, look at all the wonderful people you've started to meet. Yes. Through through inviting more people into these pockets. I mean, I I feel so. Yes, I have you to thank for that. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm back at you. I feel so. Massively grateful and humbled that that we've done so many now. I thinking he's got to be bored with me soon. Really, <laughs> but it's and it's it's always a wonderful experience. But the the difference is when when you're interviewing me, John, because this series is, has gone on for so long now, um, it's taking me to places that I wouldn't normally be speaking about in an interview. Yeah, and because your wife comes to a, to a lot of my my shamanic circles, I know there's an insider. There, so you're pulling me pulling things out of me. Yeah. But yes, of course. Yeah. or ordinary interviewers wouldn't so um i was on bbc radio radio a few weeks back talking about you know getting out of my my corporate life and into this taking that massive leap of faith and now helping other people to to find their truth and and of course it was a very different experience Mm -hmm. because they'd seen they'd seen an interview with, with me in a newspaper and they were going on that and it was pulling out so, for Steph, I think we've got something like a 12 minute interview. It was apparently very long for radio. Ooh, fantastic. So, again, yes. Yeah, but that's just to demonstrate the difference. The, these are sometimes an hour long. Yeah. And so it's it's like a chat. So, this has been stepping out of a comfort zone for me. Why did I do that? Because I know deep in my gut, I, I can't really tell you how I know it's a in deep inner knowing that part of my role this time is to help other people. Realize that there's sometimes more to life than, than the treasury they've got going on, and to help them get out of their comfort zone and to help them to find their authentic path again. I can only do that by people knowing that I'm here, which means I need to be doing interviews and podcasts and getting up and doing motivational speaking and stuff like that whenever I can. And the book that's just come out, it's not about me, it's about fulfilling my role. To help other people and i can only do that if people know that i'm here yeah, yeah so why is it important to get out of a comfort zone for me because i have a job to do mm-hmm. and i can only do that by being more public facing so yeah. i need to get out of my comfort zone um i know that in order to be able to inspire and to lead other people i need to be seen to be stepping out of my comfort zone and i have trained myself to enjoy doing that um I do believe we can train ourselves to enjoy different things. Just as I used to be terrified of roller coasters. Yeah. It's in the same way as how many kids do we hear saying I don't like Brussels sprouts? Well, have you tried them? No. Why haven't you tried them? Because I don't like them. Well, how do you know you don't like them? <laughs> have this. It's a baby cabbage. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Perception.
0: Yeah.
1: And if you feel that you've come here to just sit in front of Jeremy Kyle all day, you know, it's exciting, isn't it? Waiting to find out those DNA results. Wow!
0: I don't know. I've never watched him, but you obviously have. Oh, I
1: have. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so,
0: but, but that's interesting that you've got, uh, you, you, because you've obviously latched on that this is your role that you're yeah. growing into. Yeah. So, what's next for Putaz then? What, what's um, what, what sort of things have you? Do you look? Are you looking to push outside your comfort zone now?
1: I need to get out there as much, as, as much and as far as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, bigger audiences push me outside of my comfort zone. So
0: do, uh, doing your empowerment and, yeah.
1: and help work. speak, whether it's speaking, whether it's empowerment, whether it's group work, that all pushes me outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. But it's something that, that, that I enjoy doing. But again, just looking at these comfort zones again, it doesn't need to be something massive. The fir- one of the first public speaking gigs I had was when I was still in corporate life. And we were running some black tie awards events. It was in the healthcare sector, and about a week before this event at the Dorchester on Park Lane, mm-hmm. uh, my manager told me that I was I was presenting the awards event. <laughs> I beg your pardon? You you, you you want you want me to do what? Where's the firewalk? Yeah, I hadn't even firewalked at that point. Where's the skydive? Give me that. Um, and yeah, I, I, with 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 no prior experience of public speaking, I found myself being recorded and videoed and going live streaming on the internet as a Black Tie Awards do on a stage at the Dorchester and Park Lane addressing 400 people. Right. Oh my God, John, it was terrible. And people were coming up to me afterwards and saying, you're a natural, well done. And I listened to that back and watched it back and cringed as I was doing the, oh, I'm going to talk really, really, really fast. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, shh, shh, Slow down, slow down. And then I would slow down and say, nice deep breaths. And then massive comfort zone so i guess because i'm a believer in everything happening exactly as it should at exactly the right time i'm not really going to get much more of a fear base for that in terms of public speaking so once i'd done that that was baptism by fire really so then i was okay and i ended up presenting that for a few years and and i did a bit bit of training
0: so it was good enough that they invited you back then
1: well, it was my it was my company, but they could have put somebody else on the stage right, yeah. and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: so really now when I have a motivational speaking gig, it still pushes me out of my comfort zone mm. because it's very different reading a script where you're saying, and the winner is and highly commended is and welcome these people to the stage. It's very different to being off the cuff mm-hmm. and just speaking what comes. And that's another thing that I use to push me out of my comfort zone. I never do anything scripted. Never.
0: Okay. Well, that would sound like that's a massive comfort zone thing. I would have thought. Yeah. That you uh, you uh, hope that something's going to come.
1: Yeah. I'll have bullet points and topics I know we need to be talking about. Mm-hmm. I never ever script it. I've tried right, way back in the day when I thought I should. I've tried scripting things. Right. And it was just abysmal, because I'd find that naturally I'd pick up something from over there mm-hmm. and know I needed to be talking about it, but I had the script here and. Uh, 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 So eventually I just tore up the script, and now I stand up there and I speak to my guys before I get up there and say, come on, just tell me what to say, (laughs) and everything is intuitive. So it's all different, and yes, there will be some points that I'll bring up quite a lot, of course, Mm. but never have a clue what I'm going to say, never. Even when I'm running workshops, my wife will will frequently say to me, what what are you going to be teaching tonight, Taz, if it's my Tuesday night eight-week group, or what are we going to be working with this weekend? And most of the time, even if we're on the road to the venue, I'll say, I have not got a clue.
0: Right, yeah. Okay. But it always works. Well, if, but you obviously have the faith now that that's going to
1: work. Does I it, have Because
0: you keep – yeah, it's never let you down.
1: Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tempting you guys. Thanks for you listening. <laughs> you want me to keep working for you, just give it to me, baby.
0: <laughs> okay, that's excellent. Um, You mentioned a book. So to tell us more about the book, because that's um, – Uh, From what I understand, that's again stories that have have been inspired.
1: Mm. Is Mm. that right? Yeah, Um, the book's called Whispers from the Earth. It's due out in March this year. You can pre-order from Amazon, folks. Um, (laughs) It's an interesting one, and it's it was another one. uh,
0: Is this must be was this a comfort zone thing? Yeah,
1: Yeah. matter like like so many people watching. I was writing a book for years, and it was going to be my life story. It was going to be very inspiring. Of course, I was always going to finish writing it tomorrow, <laughs> and it was always going to be when I was good enough. And this this was one that we've spoken on other on other podcasts about those moments of of clarity and of belief and of proof that come yeah. through with with spirit contact. I've been doing a bit of work with with some of my spirits about um, what happened to the indigenous teachings of these lands. When when they had to be hidden or destroyed when when the invasions came in and and you know witchcraft and hedge witchery and all the indigenous spirituality practices were 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 banned. Right. Um, I'd always been fascinated by teaching stories from from other cultures. I mean, some of some of the uh, stories from 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 the um, First Nations people in the Americas are amazing. There are some excellent legends and myths coming out of of Africa. Um, Some of the myths and legends, even out of like uh, 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 Europe out of Norway, Mm -hmm. and there's even those these theories that if you look at some of some of our old fairy stories, what if they're not fairy stories? What if some of our old teachings were hidden in the fairy stories to keep them safe? Yeah, I've been fascinated by that, and so because I work quite heavily with some of the ancestral spirits, the spirits of the land, um. I started to ask and say, well, do we have any stories? Did we hide any? Are there any you could share with me? And they started to share, share with me these very, very detailed, very beautiful stories. And as I would with any dream or journey, I'd come back and I'd, I'd faithfully write them down. And I had no intention of doing anything with them other than keeping a log. Right. Um, and I was sitting at my, at my workstation one day it was when I was, it was it was a few years back now I was pro I was probably doing a bit more uh, freelance corporate work in terms of PR and marketing than I do now yeah I helping out with, with with my my pants company company circle tiger and in the middle of whatever it is I was meant to be doing this voice kept dropping in and it was like, that those stories you've been writing send them to a publisher and I was kind of swatting into I thinking I'm projecting this I'm projecting go away <laughs> I'm working go away yeah those stories you've been writing, send them to a publisher.
0: This is not a projection.
1: Go no. away! <laughs> I'm working. Go. On. And after about the fourth time of this more and more insistent voice, oh, right? I'll test it. Now. Okay, which publisher? And straight away came okay. Moon Books. Moon Books. There's no such publisher as Moon Books. Don't be ridiculous. Moon Books. Fine. I'll Google it. <laughs> so I Google it, and, oh, <laughs> there's Moon Books. It's part of John John Hunt Publishing. Hmm. Okay, send them. So, but I don't have anything. I've only got a couple of – it was probably about 1,400 words, if that. Right. Okay. So, that sounds a lot to me, to be honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm an ex-journalist, so it's not it's, – it's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> so I cut and paste the bit I'd done, wrote a quick introductory hello, this is me, and sent it off. And within less than an hour, I'd had an email back saying, we're really interested. Can you submit a formal proposal? Oh, Wow. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs>
0: this is <good. laughs> I've
1: still got this work to do though. <laughs> so I kind of had a bit of a cold sweat mm. and went downstairs to, to, to Ashmark and oh, look, 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 so, Wow, wow. So I sent off the proposal and I think within a week I'd got a full publishing deal. Fantastic. It wasn't a self publishing, it wasn't a part published part yeah. part part by us, part by you. It was a full Yeah,
0: and then you had yeah. to actually write it. We
1: wanted. Yeah. yeah. And then I made a major faux pas because, of course, I hadn't, I'd i never written something that long before. Yeah. And although I know 1,400 words is a feature, I hadn't got this concept in my head of how long a book would be. And they said, how many, how many words do you think it's going to be? And I went, oh, uh, uh, I don't think I've got 25,000 or something like that. And then, of course, when I started writing, I realised that I could have gone way over, and that's quite a small book.
0: Right, yeah.
1: But, hey, um, I did it, so it's
0: oh, well good for you. In fact, and I look forward to reading it. So thank I you. get get it on pre order. Yeah, and um,
1: those those the stories in it, um, they're all all those metaphors again. They all carry as, as all the indigenous cultures do. They all carry, um, like it's, it's, ta- it's
0: tales of um
1: all kinds of stories, all yeah. kinds of things. There's um, some the the sign that had done something right for me was when I read it. When I was reading it back, and there's one story in, the, in particular: the the girl in the stone house. And I read it back and I started crying when I was reading it. Okay. Okay, so that's touched an episode somewhere. So it gives, there are stories I've channeled. There are a few stories from some of my students who once got that deal, I said, look, do you, does anybody else want to try this work? And we got some gems from some of those to show that anyone can do this. And there's also some sort of guides to, to how to meditate or how to tune in and how to journey to solve some of your own stories because the message I'm getting through from the ancestors is that the time is here, the time is now. We, are, we have these stories, we have these teachings, and it's, it's time to take them forward.
0: Okay, well, that sounds perfect. Thank you very much indeed, Taz, once Thank again. You, um, so uh, websites, um, Twitters?
1: Websites and Twitters. Okay, for those who are interested in the spiritual work and the shamanic work, you can go to wwwfirechild www.firechild-shamanism.co.uk for people who want to find out more about the motivational speaking or for, for corporate gigs and for the empowerment stuff, that's www.tasthornton.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Taz Thornton. And if you search that on Facebook, I'll pop up there as well.
0: Great. Um, thank you once again. Thank you, John. Another brilliant insight into the physical empowerment techniques and spiritual work of Taz Thornton. I'm humbled to have spent so much time with Taz, who shared with me these insights into her work, as well as her rich humour. Do buy Taz's book, Whispers from the Earth. It's a beautiful collection of stories which, like so many good spiritual books, they always manage to speak to you with teachings that address a specific issue which you might need some help and advice. Thank you for joining me on the Downstream Podcast. I hope you've gained as much out of it as I have. Until next time, be well.